Good evening, welcome to episode 21 of the Wulong Talks podcast. Hi, my name is Jason and I'm the host of the show. And as always, I'm joined by my crew. Uh, so first, let's introduce the Mank Geek up in Manchester. Big A, what's up, son? Evening. Uh, happy Star Wars Day to those listening on the 4th of May. Yeah, no doubt. And of course, with me down south is the wrestling kid, Richard. Rich, say what's up, man. What's up, man? Uh, May the fourth be what, happy. Yeah, well, I haven't said. Oh, <laughs> 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 well, cool. Well, we hope you're all good listeners. We hope you've had a great week. Um, we've had a great week. This week, we've been able to check out the latest movie in the ever-growing franchise that is the Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, we've checked out Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, so this episode is devoted entirely to that. So we'll give you a, a full review of the movie, we'll break down what we, parts we liked, what parts we didn't, uh, and we'll give you a final score as well. Now, I must warn you, um, if you haven't seen the movie yet and you don't want it spoiled, it's probably not a good idea to listen to this right now. You may want to go and watch the movie first and then come back and listen uh, so you can join in on the discussion with us at a later date. But as said, final warning for those who don't like spoilers, there's going to be spoilers ahead. So if you don't like spoilers, switch off now. <laughs> All right, man. Well, as said, we got to check out Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 this week. Um, first of all, guys, I just want to get your overall thoughts on the movie. So um, before we get into like the nitty gritty of characters and things like that, just let me know what you thought in terms of um, the overall movie and, and whether you liked it or disliked it. So um, Rich first, uh, what did you think? Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I mean, um, I, there's, I mean, obviously what we'll get, we'll wax lyrical about it in a little while. Um, overall thoughts, not better than the first, but yet still a very good movie. And then that's just, just do a few things that like, uh, that, you know, a few niggles and, you know, and moans that, that can have about the film, which, which we'll go into more detail, but anybody out there listening, yeah, definitely go and see it. It's, and it's, I think it's still a very good franchise within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Cool. Cool. And Alvin, what about you, man? Yeah, man, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, I thought it was really great, really funny, great action, uh, kind of great sci-fi stuff. And um, and yeah, for, for me, I, I personally thought it was just as good as uh, the first. I didn't necessarily think it was better. I think there's some things that kind of like were better, but it all kind of evens out, to be honest. Um, so so it's pretty much level, level pegging. Um, so so yeah, I, I just I really, really enjoyed it. Cool, cool. Um, and that's a third from me so we're not going to be very original about this but um yeah basically i i agree with with both of you um i thought the the movie was a lot of fun um for some reason i, I found this one more fun than the first one although i do think the first one is a, a slightly better movie overall and um, there were one or two nitpicks that i had with this one but there was nothing to make me you know kind of drastically consider the the movie to be anything other than a really really solid sequel so yeah for for me it's a thumbs up for me as well all right, let's get into the details, man. So um, when this movie kicks off, uh, we're kind of thrown right into the action, basically from the opening credits. Um, what did you guys think of the the opening scene and the the way that it introduced the characters and where they were at, uh, where they're at now at this point in the story? Um, Alvin, was there anything that kind of stood out for you in in, in that? Yeah, it's um, that opening. Um 
kind of like when the credits start and that with uh, Mr. Blue Sky playing. It's a reintroduction to like characters who a lot of people have grown to love. And um, I didn't realize this at the time, but it actually echoes the beginning of the first movie where P Peter's dancing about on Morag. Um, it's, it's pretty much the same kind of thing, but with Baby Groot, Baby Groot and the rest of the crew. Um, and it's just, a, it's just a nice little comedy piece. You get to see all the characters. Um, and obviously Baby Groot is fucking adorable. Uh, so you get to see him dance about and that. Uh, and yeah, no, I, re I really enjoyed it because it, uh, it was some crazy wackiness. You got to see them all interact uh, and just reminded us to uh, who, everyone, who everyone is and how they all uh, interact with one another. Yeah, the dynamic between them in that opening scene really does kind of set the tone for the for the whole movie. Um, and I love the way that they're kind of fiddling about with the Walkman to get the music going before they, they get started. Um, and Baby Group kind of struggling with the Walkman as well was was really funny and a really nice touch. Um, he becomes something of a, a, a character that I was a bit worried about at first um, with Baby Group because I thought it might get a little bit annoying if it's too cutesy, if you know what I mean. Mm. Um, but that wasn't the case at all but we'll we'll get down to the the details and stuff like that but um yeah that initial scene the way it's handled is is really really good um rich how about you was there anything that kind of stood out for you um in that opening scene opening scene um yeah i mean like i know i i noticed the whole the the the, the same what alvin said about it the being a, the same introduction as like the first one uh but the i think the standout for me was the whole thing of is that was kind of like their version of the Age of Ultron, where you see the Avengers coming in and they're just working as a team, hmm. right? But then, like you know, come by the end, by come by the end of the Guardians of the Galaxy, even though they've kind of like done whatever they need to do, this introduction shows you that they're still not good at what they do. They're still just kind of like just still kind of winging it, which hmm. is which is like one of the things that you know that adds to the flavor of the of the whole of the whole team dynamic, which is you know which is the reason why we we like that team. Um, but the thing that stood out to me was the whole um, when Groot's dancing and the bit where Drax lands beside him. And it's obviously like a, a throwback to the end of like the first one where when Drax looks at Groot and then he stops dancing <laughs> and, then, and then he looks away and Groot starts dancing again. But I mean, number one, that's funny as hell. And then number two, like they're still in the middle of a freaking battle against this giant slug alien thing, <laughs> which, which is just funny in itself. So it's like, you know, I, I like that. I like that. But yeah, that, that was the main scene that, that stood out for me in that introduction. Aside from the whole thing of that, the team still isn't meshing well, mm, mm. but in them not meshing well, they still manage to pull out, pull out the stops and get the job done. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's really cool that you mentioned that actually because that that was a very nice piece of foreshadowing to start off with because it kind of showed how because of the the frictions within the the team they they ended up having to wing it as as you said and and you know they just about got the job done but it certainly wasn't done with any kind of panache or, or teamwork it was just kind of everybody doing their own thing and then arguing with each other whilst they were doing it whilst baby Groot was dancing to <laughs> to the intro track um so yeah that was very that was very cleverly handled i i, I did like that opening scene um do either of you know the name of that beast they were fighting because i think it's supposed to be something from the comics isn't it no, I can't, I can't remember. It was a week ago, so I, can't, I literally can't remember what it was so, called. So you, you cut out for me. What, what was that? Oh, I was just saying, um, if you could remember the name of the beast that they fight at the beginning, because I think it's supposed to be something that's actually from the comics. Um, so I'm not sure. 
you know what? It's on the tip of my tongue, but I can't remember it because Drax. Oh no! Wait, no, no. He's he, no. I'm thinking about the batteries. What he says about the batteries, not the. Not yeah, the I, don't, I don't even know. But um, but if, uh, but here's a bit of information as well. Um, you see, in the first Guardians of the Galaxy, where Peter's doing the whole dancing thing at the beginning, and mm. he comes across a, like this big little like chasm type of thing, and he looks down, and there's some like aliens things swimming in the water, and then he uses the boots to jump over the gap. Yeah. Yeah, those aliens are the aliens from the James Gunn movie um, Sliver. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, just, just, just a bit of a you know, sci-fi okay. nerdism there, man. So, yeah. I didn't but, even uh, it, connection, so, yeah, that's well spotted. Uh, yeah, no, 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 I, 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 saw, I didn't clock it myself. I, saw, I think I saw it in an interview with him or something like that. Right. But, um, yeah. but yeah, but uh, in, in relation to the original question, uh, don't fucking know, mate. <laughs> like, <so>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah we're all stumped by this one listener so um if you know what the name of that creature is please let us know um because yeah i would like to know and as i said I'm, I'm almost certain it is a creature from the comics um but i just can't remember what the name is so oh well we move on um was there any kind of uh standout scenes in the movie for either of you guys anything that that really kind of struck a chord in one way either it was very funny or very action-packed or um something that that kind of touched a nerve um alv was there anything in particular that that stood out for you hmm. uh anything in particular you know what there's just so much to choose from but it's kind of difficult uh, you know what? Actually, for me, a standout thing for me was just like, "Fuck me, that is wicked." Uh, was obviously when uh, when Yondu and Rocket um, free themselves from being um, being in the, locked in that jail cell, uh, mm. and it's just them walking around the ship, killing everyone, yeah. <laughs> and Yondu whistling, and the arrow going everywhere, and there's just bodies falling all over the place, and just both walking in slow motion and looking absolutely fucking badass. Uh, that's that bit is amazing. Yeah, yeah, that that bit is brilliant. The whole way is just is filmed. The the way it's been put together, um, mm. the camera shots they use. The music at one point they use like a crane shot as well, where he's just kind of in the middle, and then the arrow sort of going all around, and you can see the red trail that he leaves, um, and when the lights are off, and yeah, it just looks amazing. It looks absolutely amazing. The way they they constructed that scene was just brilliant, man. Really, really good. Um, Rich, how about you? Uh, I like I like that scene as well. Um, I spe- but I think my favorite when it shows when it comes towards the end, then it shows that the top view, and you can just see like the the, the red light arrow line just flying around. Mm-hmm. But um, but action wise, I think the scene that stood out for me was Rocket Man. Mm. When they when the, when the Ravagers come to um, when the Ravagers follow the Guardians to that mm. planet that they've landed on, and they try and they you know and they get to like the base where they've camped out, and they think they've got Rocket. They think they've got Rocket figured out. And he's waiting in the trees, and he's mm. labeled up, and he's labeled the traps. Yeah, like, mm. like it makes sense. And I think the reason why that that stands out as well is that we know that he's good at something, but we don't know what. Like, we know he's good at shooting guns. We know how he's good at making bombs. Like, he's a bit of a tinker and everything. But even though he doesn't know us as the viewer and us as readers, we still look at him and go like, like he's a freaking raccoon. Like, what <laughs> is he going to be able to do? Mm. And that basically just proves that you know. He has the body of a raccoon, but he's something a little bit more. And, uh, and, and I mean, like, the way how he takes them out. And even when it comes down to the physical bit, like, they, they cover all angles. So, like, he, he, like you know, he's, he's a bit like Leon, where he's good at, like, you know, taking out opponents from 
this 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 distance of this weapon, taking out opponents from with a different type of weapon from this distance, and then even when it comes to the hand to hand combat, he still shows that he's badass, and that would be like, you see the Darth Vader scene in Rogue One where we finally see Darth Vader do some badassery to be like, okay, cool, this is the reason why he's fucking feared all over the galaxy. That was Rocket's scene for me, that showed the reason why he deserves to be on this team. Like we've kind of seen what everyone else can do. We know Gamora's. The, the assassin of the universe for like Thanos X. Um, we know that Drax did well. Drax to destroy his name says all, you know. So, but but Raccoon um, Rocket finally earned his his kudos with uh, that scene there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like for me, probably the the Rocket scene in the the forest as well when he's being hunted by the Ravagers is is again really good. It's just really really well done. Um, the the way that the whole thing is framed and um, as I said it. it you know, as you said, Rich, it, it really explains a lot about Rocket's character, his skill set, his, um, you know, what his motivations are, um, you know, the bit where he has them, like, uh, he, he sets, like, that kind of electronic spring trap, and he keeps <laughs> pushing them up in the air every time he presses the button, and he's just cackling away like it's the funniest thing he's ever seen in his life. Um, it just tells you so much about, like, how much of an asshole rocket it really is because mm. he's just sitting there tormenting them now when he could have put them down ages ago but you know he's getting he's doing this for his own amusement now um and i love that about um rocket we'll we'll go into our favorite characters and stuff in in a minute but um yeah i i, I just love that that dynamic <laughs> that rocket brings to the, the movie and that scene in particular is really outstanding and um, what did you guys think of the sovereign um, in the movie? Because I, I, at first, I was a bit like, mm, I'm not sure about these characters. Um, you know, I liked the little back and forth between the the leader and uh, Peter Quill in the beginning, um, but I thought, oh, you know, this could be a bit one note. But as the movie went on, it, it actually got really funny (laughs) like um and there's another part that i liked when uh they arrive on the ravagers uh planet or the the planet where the ravagers are hiding out um to hire some of them to um find the guardians which is just before the the rocket scene um and the like the (laughs) the queen (laughs) of the sovereign is walking out on the red carpet and the red carpet only doesn't roll out too far Mm. it only rolls out so far and then stops and then like there's a look of embarrassment on both the leader's face and the person who's rolling out the carpet. And I really liked that. I really liked the the kind of um the arrogance of the the sovereign and, and the fact that they, you know, constantly believe that they're better than everybody else because they're genetically engineered to be better than everyone else, or so they believe. Um and the whole way that they kind of conduct themselves really, really made me laugh. Um, so I really did in, enjoy the Sovereign towards the end of the movie. I, I was actually quite um, quite enamored by them. But uh, what did you guys think of them? Did you think they made kind of effective... Um, I guess they weren't the, the main antagonists, but, um, you know, sort of foils for the Guardians. Did you think they were quite effective in, in that way? Um, Rich, you can go first. Um, I mean, I found them... I found them entertaining. That's, that's what I found them. And as the, and it, but they it just kind of dragged out a bit, where it just felt like they were two D, like you know, two D comedy characters, hmm. which, I, which I was like, okay, cool, I understand. But I, 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 I didn't really feel any form of of danger from them, and that got a bit boring sometimes when they did appear on screen. I mean, I was just more, I was just telling you, but I just found them more interesting because I know 
their backstory somewhat or you know well comic book wise i know their back hmm. backstory and Are you there, Rich? Because they, they actually deem themselves too good. To be, oh, Rich, to sorry, we, we lost you for a second, so you're going to have to repeat um, what you just said there, you know. You're going to... What am I going to have to repeat? No, it sounds like you're about to laugh at me. have to repeat everything from the beginning. No, not from the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> no, but just where you were going... Um, the Sovereign. Yeah, about the Sovereign and stuff, because we lost you. Uh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah um, I didn't mind them. They got on my nerves a bit just because um, they, it just felt like they were just kept on repeating the same thing. Like they'd come into battle, get taken out, come into battle, get taken out. And then it'd cut to like, you know, the sovereign people going into that, you know, even almost like arcade machine type of thing. And then trying to, trying to take out the Guardians. Like I didn't feel any real threat or danger from them. Um, but like I said, I was more interested in the whole thing of that. I know what type of race of people they are. So I, want, so I was just more interested to see like where they're going to go with that and if they are going to go down the route, which I, which they eventually did, which I thought they were going to. Um, so, yeah, so, so I mean, so that, that was fun about them, but um, nothing else really stood out for me. They, they, you know, they okay. weren't like, oh, wow. All right, fair enough. Um, Alvin, uh, same question to you, I guess. What did you make of them? Um, well, to me, it, it, came, it became quite clear earlier on that they're, that um, probably become more important later down the line, like in the third volume. Mm. Um, so I just kind of enjoyed them for what they were, really, which was pretty much the equivalent of those guys from uh, Every Which Way But Loose, uh, who always chase after um, Clint Eastwood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then obviously they get the bikes destroyed and all that kind of business. It was just like that. Um, but, but yeah, they're interesting to have in there because um, it did, because obviously we knew that Ego was going to be going to be evil. Uh, it was pretty obvious to guess, but it, it did add in that extra something there. Otherwise, it would have been a bit bare, I think, the film, because we all would have seen the whole ego thing coming, and that would have been the only thing there was, whereas this additional thing with the Sovereign, at first I thought they were going to be like the main bad guys, but then it kind of it kind of turned around and I was like, oh, it was a bit different. But now I thought, oh, all right, uh, I'm just looking forward to seeing as to um, how they play into the third volume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the point of kind of introducing them now was like i guess to get people used to the idea because as you said it it looks like they're um they're going to play a big part in the future and we'll get we'll get to a point where we can chat a little bit about the future of the franchise and stuff as well but um yeah it obviously looks like it it was set up to to give you an idea of who they are um because they're going to play a key role further on down the road so um from that point of view i guess they you know they kind of serve their purpose really um but yeah as said i you know i did kind of grow to like them as as the movie went on so um, and there's definitely something interesting they're they're doing with them Um, but we'll get to that um were there any characters in particular that you enjoyed more than you did in the first movie um from the the guardians crew were there any of the new characters that you enjoyed so basically who were your favorite characters is what i'm asking you um so alvin was there anybody who like new who stood out to you and also was there any of the existing characters that you felt had a better arc and you know a better character development in in this one hmm okay uh, so what both old and new yeah both old and okay new. uh well in terms of old uh yeah for me it has to be drax uh just because although he didn't particularly do that much fight or anything like that 
um, he's just the scenes that he was given, the comedic scenes, uh, it just plays them so matter of fact that they, they just fucking just made me laugh so much. I like the scene where he tells um, Mantis how uh, how disgusting she is. <laughs> fucking like, I don't know how to come up with some of this shit. And also, I think he had one of the best jokes in the movie, which they set up at the beginning about him having sensitive nipples and him not using the arrow wing uh, mm. because of it. And then later on, like towards the end, to use an arrow wing, they put one on him. And uh, as he kind of shoots up into the sky, uh, he shouts out my nipples, which was just a great, it was a great setup. Because at first you're like, okay, that's pretty funny. His nipples are sensitive, so he's not wearing one of those. But then you, you assume that's the joke and it's over. But then the fact that there's a callback, and I was just like, that's fucking genius. But yeah, now Drax in terms of old characters. Uh, in terms of new, there's, there's not, I don't think there's particularly a lot to pick from. Um, hmm. Yeah, I mean, I did like the taser face stuff. That was all right. Uh, but in terms of new characters, can I pick Ego? Yeah, yeah, you can. Yeah, I thought Ego was quite yeah, quite an interesting concept. Um, and yeah, the fact that kind of, well, 20th Century Fox gave Marvel the rights to Ego, they've they made a mistake. Because like, I was saying to Richard like in a phone call like the other day that if they had kept that, that would have been a wicked thing to do, like with the Fantastic Four. That that character would have enabled an interesting thing to be done with the Fantastic Four story. But obviously, that's not going to happen because you may know Fantastic Four movies aren't probably going to be made for quite a while now. Uh, but yeah, no, I really liked Ego and the way um, Kurt Russell played him. And you don't see a lot of Kurt Russell these days. It was just nice. He was just solid. He was good. And you know, his name's Ego. So when it when it came to the crunch and he was quite egotistical, then. It all made sense, and he, and he had the right amount of like kind of arrogance to him uh, when we kind of are revealed to his true nature. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, Rich, how about you? Same question. Yeah, I think for for new characters, it was definitely ego did the same thing for me as well, man. Like you know, it just reminded me how much of a of a good character or a good good actor Kurt Russell is. Um, like he was just smooth as hell, man. Like it, like you you could see the reason why. You know, he was able to go to every to all of those planets and basically just you know mack all of those women, <laughs> you know, you know, and so we see it. Um, but I like the fact that there's it's almost you could see the similarity between him and Peter, and I, and I, and I think that even like when when they maybe when they picked Kurt Russell, but that first opening scene when he comes out from the ship and it shows the close up of his face and he starts saying, "Yeah, Peter, I'm your father. Can't you tell by the rugged by the rugged good looks?" And it shows a close up of each of their faces. And and Kurt Russell, he essentially could be like an older version of you know of um, what's his name? Uh, what's his name again? Peter Quill. What's his name? Quill? The real actor, man. For fuck's sake, oh, stop laughing, Chris man. Pratt. <laughs> Chris fucking Pratt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like he could, he could essentially could be like an old version. See how like they made Joseph Gordon-Levitt like a young version of Bruce Willis and Looper for, for aesthetics. So yeah, but um, but ego, like you know, like, like Alvin pretty much touched on those points, like. They just they they did so well of a character that on paper just sounds fucking crazy, and that's the thing that they keep on doing so well with this Guardians of the Galaxy franchise is that they just they must sit down and be like, okay, listen, just think of the craziest fucking thing, yeah, that they wouldn't let us do, and then top that, <laughs> and they just seem to knock it, and they seem to knock it out of the park, and they did it perfectly with, with the ego character. Hmm. Yeah, I mean. It- uh for me i think um the the characters that i've most enjoyed probably would be rocket i i really liked rocket's arc in this movie 
um, because he he kind of all we kind of know about Rocket from the first movie is that he's, as you said earlier on, Richard, he's a bit of a dickhead who kind of is very good at building things. Um, you know, knows how to make bombs, knows how to make weapons, um, and is extremely sarcastic. And that's about it. But in this film, through kind of the relationship he has with Peter Quill and the way that the two kind of bicker and argue, um, and the conversations he then goes on to have with Yondu, you you get a bit more, you know, the layers start to get peeled back on him a little bit more, and you start to realize that there's um, there's actually quite a sensitive soul in, inside of him there. Um, and, you know, he, he seems to view it almost as like a, a vulnerability, like, you know, re- exploring these, these feelings is, makes him vulnerable. Um, so he kind of covers it up with the, the tough exterior and the, and the being a dickhead to everybody. Um, and I remember a certain bit in the, the film as well where um, Yondu says to him, like, Jesus, you really are an arsehole, aren't you? Like, <laughs> you're, you're just, you know, there's, there's just no there's just no good in you. And he's like, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh, sorry, no, he calls him a professional arsehole. That's it, you know, which is slightly different. But um, yeah, I, I really liked Rocket's like arc that he went through in, in this movie, and he was—he's always been like my favorite character. Like when I started um, reading the the comic when they had the, the relaunch a couple of years ago, um, he was really the, the character that I gravitated to, and um, I've been so glad with the way they've translated that from the page to to the movies. Um, they've done it real justice, and Bradley Cooper's voice work has been amazing with that character really really terrific he's just breathed so much life into it um to the point where it's impossible to imagine anyone else really doing rocket raccoon um because he's just he's done it too well um and uh, you know i like the joke about the um <laughs> the trash panda <laughs> coming back to it because well. <laughs> that kind of showed rocket's naivety as well um so you know it, it showed that there is something there with him so so rocket's the old character i like and the new character i like is probably mantis i i really liked mantis actually i i was a bit worried that she might not be the right addition to the group but she has a kind of like a, a complete innocence in a way that um even baby Groot didn't really have it. Um, and, you know, the the empathy skills that she has and the ability to kind of um, impact on people's feelings and things like that was was really, really cool and very well done. Um, there's the, the famous gag in the trailer, obviously, where, he, you know, she exposes um, Peter's feelings for Gamora. Um, but it interested in the way that they did it so yeah you know it, that that I thought was very cool and um the actress who played out of the her name escapes me off the top of my head but um you know she did a really really good job at, at managing that because that's a tricky role to pull off as well so mm-hmm. so yeah I was very pleased with with the work that she did on that so uh, <clears throat> those are probably my two standouts I would say um what did you guys think about the the music and the soundtrack in this one because it was quite different to the first movie um did that kind of take you out of the movie at all or or did it have any kind of different um impact or different feel for this movie so is Um, that anybody uh sorry yeah yeah that's open to both of you so either one you can go okay uh okay i'll go um yeah i love the music in this one as well um it was just as good as the first i think the only thing is is that there wasn't really any memorable songs 
you know being played like you see like see like with the, like with the first one you've got like you know you've got hooked in a feeling you've got you've got the jackson five you've got a couple of other tracks here and there with this second volume as good as it was there, there's nothing that stands out for me i mean the only one that did stand out for me and, and like and worked for the scene perfectly was was the cat stevens song mm. that plays at the end which I, for some reason i keep on forgetting the name of the song but that's the only one that stood out for me. But the music was the music was still good. Like it's it's still a staple point of the whole uh, of the you know of of the franchise. It's like it's it's a thing in itself. Um, you know, for the for the Guardians films now, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. Music has become as much a character as anything else we see on the screen, um, and they do carry that over quite well. Um, Alvin, anything that stood out? Or uh, yeah, that that Cat Stevens song is called Father and Son, by the way, Richard. Oh, that's that's um, it. Yeah, thanks. <clears throat> Yeah, in terms of music, like there was always that worry that it would become like Suicide Squad, you know what I mean? And the music would just be too much and it'd be every 10 seconds, it'd be a different track from mm. different genres and you'd just be like, what the hell? But, you know, I can't actually remember that much of the music. The only tracks I remember are The Chain by Fleetwood Mac and uh, Mr. Blue Sky. And that that's about it. But I quite remember any more tracks. That probably means that what they did have didn't do the movie any harm and kind of played their role where they were meant to. Mm. Otherwise I'd mm. probably, I'd, I'd probably stand out to me, but I think because they did it so well in the first one and they do it well in this one, it, it they literally didn't register as to when I was listening to a, well, a popular song or, you know, or, or it was the film score. So I, sup- mm. I can only, I can only assume that that must be a good thing. Mm. Mm. It's either that or they didn't yeah. particularly pick memorable songs for me personally. Mm. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think um, the one song that stood out was um, you mentioned it, "The Chain" uh, by Fleetwood Mac, um, because it it kind of again it, it was picked at a specific point in the film where um, each you know member of the team was was kind of engaged in battle, was struck, was struggling against kind of. Um, you know, fighting back against uh, ego and his actions uh, on the planet. Um, and it's the point, it said, where they're all kind of under pressure, um, you know, and that chain that, that they have between them as, as a family um, is under severe stress. And, you know, the, the the whole point of the song is, you know, you'll never break our chain, you'll never break our bonds, regardless of, of what is um, going on. And it worked really, really well. And um, you made a good point, Alvin. I was worried as well that it was going to start to become like Suicide Squad where it's just going to be like somebody's got their greatest hit CD and put it in the CD player and said okay go and then that's it but but clearly that's not the case and I mean you know that wasn't the case in the first movie certainly um, you know James Gunn picked the right tracks for the right scenes and it looks like he's done it again here Um, and the use of father and son uh, father and son is as you said as well, was um, was the thing that really stood out to me. But yeah, like you two, I'm struggling to, <laughs> to actually think of other songs. But <laughs> I guess, as, as you said, Alf, that's probably a good thing. So Yeah, um, it must be. Because otherwise, if we notice them too much, then there's the potential that you may hate them. So yeah. So like, like the Suicide Squad thing. So, so I can only assume it must be. I can, that's all I can assume. Yeah, yeah, it's a fair point fair point well um one of the key kind of themes in in this movie as well is is family and the way that um families kind of interact with one another and the problems that they face with each other and with outside events and and how those affect and and shape the people that we become um 
Richard, I know you were you you were big on kind of the the theme of family for this movie and the way mm. that it's kind of handled. So, um, did you want to just spend like a couple of minutes going into you know kind of how you saw that that family dynamic playing out and and the importance of it? Yeah, no, I, I just think that it was. It just feels well, first things first. Essentially, like the I mean the overall there is about family, but it is always going to be Peter's story. That's the thing. Uh, and it's the first thing is the, the the main story in the first one as well, and it's the main story in the second one, um, and you don't really notice it notice it in the second one. Maybe, and I think probably because the pacing of the film, which is something we'll touch upon later on, uh, but then it isn't until like you know like when Peter finally comes to the realization that okay, listen, like you know my dad, like, I'm an a hole. But my dad's a real a-hole. And, you know, when it comes from the revelation that, listen, he put the tumor in his mom and everything like that. But it's that family dynamic that I like. And it feels natural as well. Like, just because, like, you know, your family doesn't mean you have to get on. What you do is that you fucking make it work. Mm. And, and, that, and that's how family is. This isn't a Brady Bunch, you know? <laughs> like, and, and, and I love that thing about it. And, I mean, which is something which they... Which, if you think about it, throughout the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it, it generally is about family. There is some form of like family issues happening at some point, if not with a character, then at least in the team, let's say like the Avengers themselves. There's always some form of like, you know, somebody who needs to be mentored or to, or to be uh, taught by somebody else or, has, or they've had some form of like issues with a father figure. And it's usually a father figure, I've noticed in the, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They've always had some form of, of like issues with a father figure. But um, the the running theme through through the through the guardians is that, like you said, you don't have to be from number one. You don't have to be blood, and number two, you don't even have to be from the same fucking planet. You if you look at the family of the guardians of the galaxy, there's a, a tree that only says his own name, a fucking raccoon who doesn't know what a raccoon is, the baddest assassin in the, in the universe, like somebody who doesn't know what a metaphor is, but you know, and then you just got this like this lumbering man child. That's that's like that that's that's family. You don't get to choose who you have as family, but you know what you do get to choose is like you know how far you're willing to go for them, uh, to go through for them, and like and and they they just nail it perfectly, man. Like the the film constantly tugs at my heartstrings when I, when I, when I watch the first one, and the second one is definitely up there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's very true, man. It it does um a lot of good work in terms of like setting up this idea of, of family is said and the family dynamic and, and that you can't you know you can choose your friends but you can't choose your family um i particularly kind of like the the subplot the subplot in the, the film between uh gamora and nebula um and the idea of of their relationship and how um you know nebula basically is, is says you know all i ever wanted really was a sister but all you were interested in was being the best out of the two of us. You know, you wanted to to prove you were number one all the time. You had to beat me at everything. But all I ever wanted from you was, you know, a, a sister. And you can kind of see how that that sibling rivalry between the, the two of them has has kind of, you know, has damaged their, their relationship to that point. Um, that I actually thought was handled really well, um, surprisingly mm. well, um, for, you know, for a comic book movie to deal with, with something, um, that poignant um and that touching was was really good so yeah that that really stood out for me um Alf, did you have any thoughts on the you, you know the idea of of uh, the family dynamic and the themes of family in the movie yeah i mean it strikes me as interesting that i i can't think of that many like big budget blockbuster movies 
that managed to have something like the theme of a of like a surrogate family uh, and how important family is and somehow doesn't come across preachy like at any point it, it all just seems like legit and genuine and from the heart so like especially when um uh, later on in the film towards well yeah pretty much near the end uh when when um uh obviously uh escaping ego and um and kind of peter has this like flash of kind of him growing up uh and being taught things by yondu and that's when like you realize like yondu's more of a dad than like anyone like could have asked for you know what i mean in his specific situation and like him realizing that that he had a dad all along like sounds cheesy but when you see it in a movie it's actually kind of like a heartfelt moment and i didn't i didn't expect to see it so so when that when, when you see those flashes and you just like instantly you're just like he's his fucking dad mm. you know what i mean and he's only just realizing this now as well so yeah i don't know it's just it's just interesting because like i said that I, I can't think of that many other big blockbuster movies that managed to you know have all kind of like the thrills and that and then also have something that's actually kind of meaningful as well that isn't that isn't super cheesy because in the hands of someone else that, that shit could have been awful mm. so james gunn I, I don't know. He just, he just he makes he makes it work. He's a fucking magician. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got a magic hat, mate. <laughs> but no, yeah, it it it. You're right. I mean, everything that you've you both of you said is is absolutely spot on. And as you said, Alf, like it's it's so rare in this genre and in this type of movie that you get these kind of issues handled with the the kind of sensibility and and intelligence that it's handled with um and the the real very real emotions that it's handled with um you know unfortunately with comic book movies sometimes you get instead of actual emotion you get a lot of hyperbole and you know and a lot of over dramatized kind of moments but in this movie there's a a lot of of kind of really sensitive feelings handled really really well and, and convincingly so um yeah you know big thumbs up to to james gunn for that he, his work on the script has been brilliant so yeah the, the excellent work okay um right let's get to the negatives so was there anything in the movie that didn't quite work for you um anything that you downright disliked or um, some things that just kind of left you a bit indifferent. Um, Richard, I know you meant to mention the Sovereign and you said you felt they were, well, you know, they, they, the appeal of them didn't quite work uh, for you throughout the whole movie. Um, was there anything else aside from that that didn't quite work for you? Uh, the pacing, the, the pacing of it, it didn't flow as well as the first one. Mm. Like I said earlier, it's like, it's not that I think Guardians is a bad movie. Like, if anything, far from it, it's, it's a, still a really, really good movie. But the first movie had a had a strong three arc story. So like it had an amazing beginning, middle, and an end. It just worked perfectly. And and I think somewhat I think it's probably, if not easily, my top three Marvel films. Uh just due for you know to other other factors as well. But this one it didn't flow as smoothly as, as the others. Um well, well as, as as much as the first one. Mm. Um it, it felt a bit all over the place at certain points. But still managed last minute to like to drag it to where where you know where it needed to be mm-hmm. um the main scene for me that really just kind of threw me out there was kind of just like when peter and um and ego started having that superman general zod fight mm. <laughs> where it just kind of like just 
and it was like and, and it, the thing is and the reason why it doesn't really great on me is because the kind of sci-fi that the guardians does and the kind of sci-fi that james gunn is kind of aiming for is literally one of those things where it's a, it's just a it's just a psychedelic trip like i said like they sit down and they'd be like okay listen what kind of crazy shit can we think of and then they think of it and they'd be like okay cool how about if we do some crazy shit on top of that shit so i can understand the reason why they've done it because it's 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 almost to shock you and to make you not expect what to expect um but it just felt like it just didn't it felt like to me like it, it didn't belong and and that's only and the main reason is because it kind of dragged out a bit mm-hmm. and then even the bit when peter changes into like the pac-man it did kind of save the whole fight for me but at the same time i was like pac-man i understand that you're this big man child but pac-man isn't the thing that would pop up in your in your head like you've you've, you've been around and you've seen some things now Mm-hmm. So I'm sure you could. I'm sure you could have thought up a bit, something a bit more than that. And I do try and reference that before, like you know, um, when uh, is um doing harnessing the energy with ego, and all you can think of is like this ball. And so they're trying to make it that you know, trying to make it that he, you know, that he he's a he's a simple he's a simple fella. Mm. But it, it still felt like no, that's that's just a bit of a a bit of a cheap joke. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think for me it was um. <sighs> probably the one negative for me was like the ego interaction with Peter um, early on um, when they first kind of meet and stuff. I don't know why, but maybe it's a pacing thing. Maybe it's the way that the the script was written, but there's a point where it just feels like it's going on a bit too long and they're kind of like laying it on a little bit thick, the whole kind of, oh my God, I've got a dad now. I love you. I love you too, son. Come here. I'm going to show you all of these wonderful powers that you've now got because you, you're you part of me. And it, yeah, that was a tiny bit, like it, it grated on me a little bit um, after a while. Um, and yeah, the, the ball joke was, yeah, that, that was a bit too on the nose really, um, <laughs> considering there's actually some very funny jokes in this film. That one was a little bit like, it felt a bit flat for me, um, didn't quite work. Uh, so yeah, I would probably echo your thoughts on, on the pacing um, thing. I think there is um, a slight issue there with, with the pacing. It's not, mass- it's not a major problem, but it just was a bit, yeah, not too sure. Um, yeah, and, and aside from that, I think that was really the only major kind of um, issue, and it wasn't even a major one, but that was really a, the only kind of major nitpick I had. Um, <clears throat> Alvin, how about you? Was there anything that kind of didn't quite work for you? Honestly, not really. I mean, the points that you guys have brought up, yeah, I do, I do pretty much agree with, but it wasn't enough for me to kind of well, actually dis- dislike him that much or... It hadn't really no effect on me. I know they weren't like perfect points or whatever, but for for me, it just I just I just wanted to know what was going to happen next and how the how the team were going to get back together again and like what was going to happen at the end and all that. That's that's all I was into. So like the pacing issue didn't particularly affect me that much. Um, but now your points are valid, but I, I I'm not bothered by them. You know what I mean by those elements. So there wasn't there wasn't really anything for me. Okay. Cool. Cool. Fair enough, fair enough. No problem. Um, one thing I did really like that I forgot to mention was, um, as we're coming towards the end of this, was the joke at the end with the Microsoft Zoom. <laughs> oh, God, that was amazing. Wait, what, 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 the, what, what, the, what, what the what? Say again? The, Zoom. the Microsoft Zoom. The Zoom. That, the, it's like an iPad, but it's Windows. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, yeah. yeah. Um, when... <laughs> because... Luca. 
when he oh, um, sorry. out out please go go see mommy <laughs> shadow. Shadow. yeah i know it's i know it's a shadow so uh um, so, yeah carry on <laughs> yeah yeah i was saying the the joke with the microsoft zoom i really liked because um when i was watching it in the cinema you could tell that like 50 percent of the audience didn't get it because we were like sort of like between the ages of of 12 and and 15 <laughs> <laughs> they're like what i almost considered getting a zoom once back in the day. <laughs> oh serious yeah yeah because i thought well i'm not gonna get an ipod i might mm. get a zoom and then i was like no nah, i don't, don't want a fucking zoom <laughs> Short lived the Zoom, man. Just very. <laughs> it, it's very. How, how long? How long did it last? Not long. Uh, not long at all. I think it was about um, not even two years before they pulled them out of production. To be honest, I, I'm thinking like around what, like six, two thousand and seven, that kind of period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was about two thousand six, seven was was when it came out. Um, and by about 2008, yeah, Microsoft had pulled the plug on that one. They were like, nope, <laughs> we obviously misjudged that one. If, if it had been an iPod, it would have been too familiar, I reckon. Yes. Would have been like, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. You know, it would have fact it's a Zune and like, if you know what a Zune is, you're like, yeah. you know, you're like, oh, well, there's a bit of shit. It's not yeah. as good as an iPod. That's why it's fucking funny. You know, the funny, yeah. you know what the funny thing was? is The thing when he says, like, yeah, man, it can hold something like 300 songs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, like what? And, and Peter's like, what? <laughs> like, like, his mind is blown at the fact that this device can hold 300 songs. Like, yeah, that was great. That was great. So, um, yeah, that was a very, very good gag, actually, in the way it was worked and stuff as well. So, yeah, that was cool. I enjoyed that. All right, man. Well, um let's wrap the review up so uh what's your final scores guys for this one um sorry alvin you oh, right um well what what's what rating system are we using out of yeah. 10 yeah right? out of 10. oh we're doing out of 10. Keep it simple. um uh, i don't think it can give it a perfect score just because that's like you know it's it's good it is really you know i'm, I'm gonna say like eight just because it, it's good all round, but I think going anything for me, going anything higher than that, I'd, I'd be saying it's perfection, uh, which not a lot of films are perfect. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go eight. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I advise everyone to go and see it. Uh, it's a great time at the cinema. Great laugh, great action, great science fiction. And if you like your MCU stuff, you'll love it. Hmm. Hmm. No doubt. And uh, Rich, how about you, man? Oh, I think I'm going to give it, I'll give it like a seven and a half. You're going to give it, sorry, yeah. say that again, you cut out. Sorry, I'm going to give it seven and a half. Seven and a half, okay. Yeah, yeah, seven and a half. Um, seven and a half, uh, I mean, it could easily be an eight, easily, uh, but I think just for a couple of the things that they did so well in the first one that they didn't do as well in this second part so like you know maybe the music and the pacing um yeah so basically just just for those two just for those two things i'll, I'll knock off half a mark but it's, it's still an amazing film hmm. um i think for me i'm gonna give it a i think i'm gonna give it an eight as well an eight out of ten because i think i overall i really enjoyed it um there was some some actually some quite 
innovative things thrown in in terms of what they did with the special effects um, for the film um, that were really, really impressive. Uh, the characters just seem to go from strength to strength um, in this series as well as individuals and as a team. Um, you know, James Gunn has just done a terrific job in kind of breathing life into this cosmic side of the MCU. Um, and, you know, he's really kind of made the Guardians a, a household name now um, through his work that he's done. And this movie kind of carries that on. Um, I guess, yeah, the only negatives would be, as said, the music perhaps not being as memorable as the first film and, um, you know, the, the couple of scenes there where the pacing kind of lags a little bit. But aside from that, um, you know, there's so much to enjoy about the film and, and you know, the humour, the action is very good. It's exciting. It's well-framed. It's well-filmed. You know, there's so many good things about it that, um, you have to give it a high score, really. Um, I'm with you, Alvin. I can't quite give it a nine because then you're you're kind of pushing it. And I think, mm. you know, Guardians 1 for me is a nine out of 10. Um, and I don't think this one is as strong as, as Guardians of the Galaxy 1. So, yeah, I think eight is, is going to be the score I'm settling on. So, yeah, I'll call it that. All right, listeners. Well, there you go. That's our... Um, review part done um as said we've, we've given it a very strong recommendation so if you haven't seen it and you're listening to this for some reason um then go and see it because the movie is really really good and you're really going to have a fun time as alvin said at the cinema so make sure you go and check it out all right well let's um have a quick chat guys about where we think um the guardians of the galaxy are kind of going next from a storytelling point of view um the there was quite a lot of end credit scenes, actually five, I think it was, more than any other um, MCU film. Some of them were just kind of like running gags, sight gags and things like that. But um, we did get one in particular, which actually kind of gives us um, a hint as to where they're going. Well, we actually got two in, that give us some hints. Um, so, yeah, looking at those kind of end credit scenes, um, we're just going to have a brief chat about where we think the, the franchise is going. So, um, Rich, you you and I were talking about this film when we first saw it, and um, we were talking about the cameo appearances of some of the original Guardians of the Galaxy from the comic book. Um, yeah. And in the post credit scenes, we got that scene um, where we got introduced to the original team. Um, and we got the sense that they're going to enter the fray once more. Uh, so what part do you think the original Guardians might play um, going forward in, in the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise? Uh, I, I couldn't even tell you. I, I couldn't even tell you what part they're going to play. Mm. But um, it's definitely going to be interesting. Um, like I said, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of people out there who won't know that there's even an original inc like, incarnation of like the, the Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm. Um, so they'll probably just be seeing like, they're probably just sitting there scratching their heads. Or you know, or going to Google, or listening to Rob explains. Hmm. Um, but uh, as to how they're going to enter the enter the fray, I reckon there'll be like a, a sneak attack, or like you see the same way how they brought in Ant Man for Civil War, where it's hmm. kind of like that character who doesn't really belong, but he has a purpose. Like there's something that only he will be able to specifically do, and it's kind of like a, a like an ace up their sleeve. I reckon that I reckon this original team of Guardians that I reckon that's the, the part they might play. In the Infinity War thing, where they'll be like, you know, doing something major, but it'll always be in the background. You know, it's like the same way how you've got like the defenders on, on Earth and like they, they deal with like low scale things, but they still make a difference. And then you've got the Avengers dealing with things like on like a much bigger scale. So that's how I think they'll be dealt with. 
because so far there hasn't been anything or any form of news of them like having their own film. It just it's just been mentioned that they're going to be signed up to appear in other other franchises or you know specifically the Infinity War saga. Yeah, it's interesting because um, there's been a lot of interviews, obviously, with um, Kevin Feige uh, and with James Gunn because the, the movie's due for release in the US um, this weekend, I think. Um, so there's been like a lot of promo um, interviews and a lot of it has been talking about the future of um, the Guardians, which is why I've asked this question. Um, and one of the, the things that both Feige and Gunn have said is that basically, you know, this is just kind of the tip of the iceberg in terms of not just the Guardians and their story, but also the cosmic universe as a whole um, that they're building within the MCU. They're, they're looking to, you know, really expand that out. Um, so with that in mind, I, I kind of saw it as the original Guardians being like um, a bridge to, to kind of further explore that that side of the universe and um, whether they'll get their own spin-off or whether they're going to make cameos and things like that I, I guess we don't know i think your guess is probably the best one in that they might pop up in um, avengers infinity war um and they will probably make an appearance in guardians 3 i wouldn't be surprised if there's a way that they're kind of worked in as almost um antagonists to the, the guardians team um in guardians 3 that that might happen so that's something interesting that I, I think is bubbling under the service but um alvin uh, how about you did you have any thoughts about the original team's inclusion uh, i had no fucking clue all i know is that seeing stallone in mcu movie wasn't as weird <laughs> as i thought it was he actually fit <laughs> quite well um and mm. like because at first i was like oh, stallone. i thought it was just gonna be a little cameo maybe uh and then obviously when he was uh actually quite quite an important character to Yandu anyway. Um, I was, I was kind of like, I was totally all right with it. I was like, oh, he fits. You know what I mean? Uh, James Gunn is like, I suppose, a master of like mm. placing things that shouldn't necessarily go in things that do go, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Uh, but mm. no, I'm looking forward to seeing how kind of uh, Ving Rhames, uh, Stallone and Michelle Yeoh uh, will kind of play into things because, you know, like, like you guys said, if they're like the originals and that, they must have quite an important part to play in some ways, surely. Um, I don't know. I have no idea. But I, I, I think they're going to be quite an interesting part. Because I, I don't think you'd cast actors of that caliber if, if um, you know, if they weren't going to become important later on. And from what they said in their post credit scene, you know, it looks like maybe all the Ravagers will unite against Adam Warlock or whatever and lead the fray, I suppose. Um, that's the only thing I can guess, uh, but hmm. but yeah, no, it'll be interesting either way because because they keep hitting us with things that we don't expect to see. So mm -hmm. yeah, very much so. That's one thing they've done um, throughout this franchise is pull out stuff that <laughs> you would not expect to see. Um, we got like cameos in this film, didn't we? They mm. featured twice, so um, yeah, <laughs> like there you go. Um, was Cosmo in it as well? I can't remember. No, but you no, you, you, no, you don't see him. Yeah, but you see, you see how the duck twice. Yeah, in this world. yeah, yeah, yeah. You see how the duck twice, but I, I, yeah, I can't remember seeing Cosmo. But oh well, there you go. Um, yeah, so I think it's it's very interesting. So yeah, you know, definitely we'll we'll have to have to keep a close eye on that as that develops. Um, I think Guardians Three is due out after Infinity War, so um. It will, I guess, I'm assuming whatever happens in Infinity War may have a, a knock-on effect into to what happens in Guardians 3. But I, 
I guess we should see. Uh, now there was an, another post-credit sequence that that stood out to me, um, which is what we think is going to be the introduction of a very very iconic um, Marvel character. Now, um, resident kind of comic book guru, uh, could you give a little bit of like context to that post-credit scene in terms of um, who Adam Warlock is? You mentioned his name earlier. Uh, but I imagine yeah. a few people are probably confused by that name. So if you could just give them a little bit of a breakdown as to who Adam Warlock is and why he may be important to the, the Guardians films going forward, that would be cool. Okay, so Adam Warlock is, uh, he's not the original um, antagonist, well, he's not the original person that fights against Thanos, but they end up, when he is introduced uh, and he does get, gain his cosmic status, him and Thanos are the people that, that quickly go back and forth um, Adam Warlock in a comic book is created by uh, an, a human organization or think tank. They actually are a think tank called AIM, which is, stands for Advanced Idea Mechanics. And, uh, and they create him and, he, and he, comes, he starts off as this thing called him. Like, you know, he's just basically just they, bred to be the, gene the, the perfect genetic being. Uh, gold skin, gold hair, gold eyes, um, super strength. And he's almost like a, a kid in like a in a in a, an adult's body. And for the first part of his introduction in, into the Marvel universe, he just goes around just fighting against anybody and every anybody and anything. So whether it be a villain, whether it be a, a hero, he just he doesn't know any better. And then he eventually gets adopted by I think it's uh, the High Evolutionary, who is the who's basically another geneticist or really really good geneticist in the Marvel Comics universe. Who lives on Wondergore Mountain? Uh, Wondergore Mountain is basically like a, a hidden mountain somewhere in the Marvel universe, in, in a Marvel landscape on Earth, that just has loads of craziness happening. And is I think it's basically where the Celestials landed, and uh, infused the cosmic egg into the into the actual Earth, which allows uh, that special gene in humans to have uh, special abilities, such as becoming mutants, or to gain specific powers, you know, through external means. Um, but anyway, sticking back to Adam Warlock. So basically, Adam Warlock eventually becomes the keeper of the Soul Gem, which we all know is one of the one of the gems, which is the gem that belongs on the Vision's forehead, isn't it? Uh, no, that's the Mind Stone. Vision. That's the Mind Gem. So the so the, the Soul Gem hasn't thing, actually been found. Yeah, it's still out there. The Soul Gem. We don't know where. It's still it. out there. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. So Adam Warlock is is basically going to is, is in the comic books. He's the person who looks after the Soul Gem, and actually defeats Thanos the second time Thanos pops up by stealing his soul. So yeah, so, so that's something to look, look forward to. Um, I like the fact that it's also, it's also a reversal, a role reversal in the way how the Sovereign are creating Adam Warlock. Because in the comic book, Adam Warlock is created and then AIM tried to create another version of Adam Warlock by a female version and it's called her. And she ends up being called, somebody called, called Kismet. And Kismet eventually goes on to have a child with Quasar, and that child becomes something else I can't remember. But I've actually just made a mistake. Adam Warlock isn't created by um, Advanced Idea Mechanics. He's created by a small think tank, which consists of either three or four people, and they're called the Enclave. And basically, this all happens in the Fantastic Four series during the 60s. But it's definitely worth a read, because um, that character of Adam Warlock really gains some, some, some gravitas from the 60s into the 70s, uh, where like cosmic balance and cosmic battles really, really just kind of just took it to another level. Mm -hmm. 
Is it Kirby that created Adam Warlock? Am I right in thinking that Jack Kirby or was it someone else? You know what? In that, that respect, that well, a question I couldn't even answer. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's fair enough. That's one to look up. Um, in the damn it, I failed you. I failed you. <laughs> Hang your head in shame. Um, yeah, no, that's fine. That's fine, man. But thank you for the explanation. That that makes a lot of sense. Um, so yeah, Alvin, are you excited for the appearance of Adam Warlock? Did you know much about the character before? Uh, unlike Richard, unlike Richardpedia, um, <laughs> I I didn't know that much about him. The only time I'd um, ever come across him was in Avengers: Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Uh, I think it was in like season two. Uh, I think that was like a, a Guardians of the Galaxy two-parter where the Guardians came to Earth, uh, and I'm pretty sure it involved Adam Warlock. Uh, but I think this version, he didn't remember like being out in space or some shit like that, and yada yada. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen the episode. So, so like when I obviously seen him in the film and remembering the cocoon in the collector's place from the first one, yeah. uh, then I was I was like, okay, okay, and I know I know, I know what this is going to be like immensely powerful and all that kind of business. Um, but it'll be interesting to see now that Peter's um, obviously not getting any powers. But nah, in terms of Adam Warlock, I, I didn't know terribly that much apart from the basic concept. Mm-hmm. Oh, in fact, yeah. you know, so, sorry to cut you off. There, there yeah. was there was another um, Easter egg. That that um they didn't really dwell upon, but see at the end when the credits are rolling, hmm. and you see everybody dancing and they like you know the whole thing. Did you see the Grandmaster? Yeah, in, in one of the things yes, as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That, no, that's a good that's a good spot. Yeah, I did see that. Um, yeah, that's interesting as well because uh, it um you know a lot of people when you and I were talking about the four trader Richard in um our hmm. podcast two weeks ago, um we were saying about you know how the visual stylings of, of four are very similar to um for ragnarok were very similar to guardians of the galaxy and that it's obviously they're trying to establish a you know a, a visual language almost to say okay you know the cosmic side of the mcu is going to look a certain way feel a certain way it's going to have a, a certain similarity and obviously that's going to mean that characters are going to start crossing over and um, yes, I did notice that in the end credits, right at the end, they they slipped in the the, the grandmaster in there. Mm-hmm. As well. um, so yeah, that's interesting. That's very interesting. It makes me all the more curious now as to to what's going to happen with Thor Ragnarok and what kind of like story they're they're telling there as well, um, because clearly they're pushing this this crossover between uh, those two things. So yeah, that that's very very interesting. Did you notice that, Alvin? Yeah, the grandmaster. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that is um makes me as I said very very curious for for Ragnarok. All right, cool man. Well, I think that does it really. We've kind of covered as as much as we can. I think with um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two and, and the Guardians franchise and everything like that. So hopefully, listeners, you've got a, a good idea of where you think the story might be going. But if you see it differently to us, then by all means, let us know. You can uh, contact us on Twitter at Wulong Talks, um, on our official Facebook page, which is uh, slash Wulong Talks, uh, or you can email us anytime at uh, Wulong Talks Podcast at gmail.com. Um, you can get us there as said anytime, and we'd love to hear your thoughts as well, especially if you've seen the movie already and you have any theories about it, or if you enjoyed it, or even if you didn't enjoy it, um, you know, you're welcome to share your opinions with us. Uh, they're always welcome. Okay, um, let me quickly do some big ups and some shout outs as well um, before we do anything else. Um, guys, you doing anything cool this weekend? Anything that you've got planned? Anything fun? No. 
don't think so. <laughs> no, I'm, yeah, they I'm not in the same boat. <laughs> no, no, no. You know, I've, in fact, I've got quite, I've got quite a few things to catch up on. So, um, oh, okay, cool. TV wise, um, there's a on Netflix. I need to catch up on Dear White People. Hmm. Um, what else? Is there? I need to catch up on Samurai Jack. Yeah, so those two things definitely at the top of my list because uh, I've just been waiting for them for ages. So yeah. Cool, cool. I'm going to try and catch up with um, Into the Badlands and also American Gods as well. Oh, yeah. Um, because that started. So, um, yeah, listeners, if you're fans of American Gods, if you've seen the first episode and you're enjoying it, don't worry. We will get into that as well. Um, it's just we haven't had time and things have been dropping left, right and centre. So, <laughs> um, yeah, we'll we'll get into that definitely. But um, Alvin, anything you're doing this, this week that's cool? Not, well, apart from catching up on comics... Uh, that's pretty. Much, I mean, in terms of TV shows, I'm up to date pretty much. Um, I've sacked off a few shows in it a few mm. weeks back, <laughs> so um, so yeah, now nah, I'm, I'm easy. I'm good. Got free time. Cool, cool. Fair enough, mate. Fair dues. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to let you listeners know something as well. Um, give you some further information about our next episode because we're actually going to be doing a bonus podcast that will be coming out tomorrow um which will be breaking down the big trailers that we've had this week and in particular we'll be focusing on two of them uh we'll be focusing on the trailer for the defenders um that richard kind of mentioned the defenders earlier on um we're definitely going to get into that because that was the top of my most anticipated things for 2017 in in the 2016 roundup uh, podcast so um yeah i think we've got to break that trailer down because there's a lot of good stuff in there um and yeah i said I'll, I'll let you know how i feel about that and how excited i am about that as well and the guys will give you their input um, and we'll also break down the trailer for the dark tower as well um, which is the the first movie in the kind of stephen king universe uh, franchise um that's due out i believe in august in america i'm not sure when the uk release date is for that so i'll look that up but anyway if you're um, following us look out for that because i said that will be out tomorrow evening so um make sure you follow us for that and we'll give you a full breakdown on it right let me do some quick 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 shout outs um i've got to rattle through these really quickly because we're running out of time so let me just go through these real quick um in terms of other podcasts uh i need to big up um the just in time podcast uh really funny show make sure you check them guys out it's funny every week um by chance podcast uh drift and ramble uh the pod couple uh kung fu drive-in podcast is really good check that one out if you're especially if you're a martial arts movie fan really really good show uh the broken elevator uh podcast brothers the crazy town podcast um and our friend uh, cheryl and miss mad news as well with the team biscuits podcast that one's a really good one so check that one out um in terms of individual big ups uh shout outs to uh our friend george um shout out to miss l shout out to joan to gabriella to graceful viking to dean and to dion um and a big up as well to the guys from may amada um rich did you want to have a shout out for anybody or to say big up to anybody or plug anything i think I think you just said hello to the whole world for me. So um, like, I'm just gonna say thank you, <laughs> thank you for thank you for the sun on the moon. How about that? <laughs> of course, of course, of course. <laughs> and Alvin, any um, vids going up on uh, the Mank Geek channel this week? Yeah, probably. I've uh, just been a bit lazy, just because. Um, well, why the fuck not? Uh, so yeah, there probably will be something uh, over the weekend. Maybe, maybe, probably. Yeah, there probably will. Yeah, yeah. 
cool. All right, wicked. All right, well, um, we'll head on out of here. But before we go, um, Rich, do you want to let people know where they can holler at you? Yeah, uh, Rich Reviews. Uh, well, Rich underscore Reviews on, on Instagram. Uh, and it's Rich Reviews on Twitter. And uh, obviously, you know, we've got the Instagram for Wulong Talks and obviously on the website, so www.wulongtalks.com. Cool. Um, Alvin? You can get, catch me on, um, I always say Facebook, it's not Facebook. It's Instagram and Twitter, uh, at BigA85GL. Uh, you can find my YouTube via that as well. Or you can just go to Big A the Man Geek, and you should be able to bring me up that way. Cool, cool. All right. Well, thanks a lot for listening, listeners. Um, don't forget, if you're listening to the podcast on iTunes or on Stitcher or on Acast and you're liking what we're doing, please like it, please share it, please subscribe, um, and please give us your feedback too. Um, we definitely want to hear from you, especially if you've got ideas or things that you want us to talk about in future shows and things like that. We're very, very open guys here. Um, so, yeah, please, please do that. Okay, that's it. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna shut up now. I've said enough. All right, let's say good night, man. Good night. Say good night, Rich. May the force be with you. Yes, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> say good night, Alvin. Night, people. And it's a good night from me. So we'll see you later, folks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.